Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapstone.com. Just a couple of things before we jump into today's episode. Uh, I have been out of office, you could say, the last week or so. Obviously, we still had an episode released last week, but I was not in my normal recording location. Um, before I left on that trip, I was uh, I did my first stream on Twitch. As many of you know that have listened, I talked about that previously, but I haven't done any streams since then. I am looking forward to streaming, hopefully sometime this week or next week, and working towards creating a specific schedule for that. So if you have not yet followed me on Twitch, I am BlueSpruce17 on Twitch. And you can find me there, leave a follow, and that way you will know when I go live next. With that being said, and without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. There's been some interesting topics in the Marvel Snap world uh, this week, and we're going to cover some of those today but we'll uh we'll kind of ramp up to those things but i am joined uh by a great guest uh and we're glad to have him back we, i am joined by paper paper glad to have you on the podcast hey glad to be back it's been quite a while yeah i was actually my i had on my to-do list i'm like i was gonna look up like how many episodes how many months has it been uh i think it was june june of last year so uh <laughs> Something like that. So it's been been a hot second since uh, yeah. podcast. Which, when I say that out loud, it just kind of boggles my mind that we're in March of the following year. So yeah, I can't believe Snap's already been out for almost a year. Yeah, since honestly, the closed beta started, at least it honestly feels like maybe three, four months tops to me. Yeah, um, <laughs> like yeah, it's just barely things are barely getting started. But um, since it's been so long, uh, and obviously a lot of listeners have joined us since then. Just wanted to give you a second to kind of reintroduce yourself to the listeners, uh, you know, a little bit about you, your history with games and and with Marvel Snap. Yeah, so I'm Paper. I'm a Marvel Snap content creator. Um, I've been playing since the first day of the closed beta. I've been infinite every season. I make t- uh, Twitch content and YouTube content. I'm kind of in the evening time slot. So if you watch streams during the day, you probably don't know who I am. Um and yeah, my history with gaming, I've been gaming ever since I was uh, a little kid. My first console was a PlayStation, and I've just been gaming my entire life. So um, it's been a huge part of my life, and I'm really glad that I've been able to foster a community and actually play games that are like worth something now. So Yeah, no, awesome. And you've been putting out some great streams and great content, and we're probably going to talk a little bit about the stream you did yesterday as we get into the topics here. But um uh, we will start off this week. Normally, we talk uh, card first, and we, we talk location second, but our card conversation is going to be a little extended this week, so I wanted to talk convers- uh, location with you first, and this week's location is the Quantum Realm. The Quantum Realm reads, after you play a card here, set its base power to two. Um, so after the card has been played, th- I think this goes along with kind of the text changes we've had to locations and cards, right? Uh, so it doesn't say when you play a card. It says after you play a card here, set its base power to two. So kind of if a card is played and it has an on revealability, for example, that on ability on revealability will trigger. And then after that, uh, that card's power will be set to two. 
Is that, am I, am I reading that right? I always like to check with the guests. Is that how you understand it as well? It's so, yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's how it works, but there are a couple of interactions, at least one interaction that has been a little bit confusing for me. Um, I haven't really looked at the cards too much, but that for all intents and purposes, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. Obviously things like an ongoing ability that boosts the power of the card, uh, you know, easy examples, blue Marvel, uh, it's going to boost your cards at this location. So it may set the power to two, but then obviously you're going to be boosted above that with the ongoing ability. Right. Right. Um, so things like Iron Man get boosted to two base power, but then it doubles to four, right? So Yeah, and the first thing you think about when you see this location is Cerebro. Immediately, Cerebro 2 is the first thing I thought of. This is yep. just going to let me have Cerebro and Mystique and even Iron Man get buffed by Cerebro, which is great for that deck. Yeah, so I'd love to start there because that's exactly where I went, right? I started to dust off my Cerebro 2 hat uh, last night when the location went live. Um, so I guess my question is, have you been playing Cerebro 2 at all? And have you been enjoying it with this location? Yeah, I've been playing it, uh, a little bit. Um, Cerebro 2 doesn't have a super strong matchup in the current meta just because of how much power other decks are able to output. Um, your best case scenario with Cerebro 2 is not very high per lane. So you're running like Brood and, uh, Mr. Sinister, so those cards are going to fill up your board, but they only have a base of two power, and you can only buff them by five. So your max power in a lane is like what, twenty eight. So you really can't make a ton of power against these Shuri decks that are pumping thirty power with one card. So I've been liking it with this location, but when you don't get the location, it is a little bit rough still. Um, you do have location control and Goose, um, so you have like Storm and Goose to kind of kind of control the game but yeah it's it's been fun with this location at the very least anything that can make your cerebro buffed such as like cerebro 3 having bast in the deck for your cerebro is automatically going to make these decks a lot more like entertaining to play yeah yeah agreed um i you know i cracked out my cerebro 2 deck i i actually tried a couple variations um and, and like you said i think it was enjoyable um but I wasn't matching up, you know, the best. And overall, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like one of those locations where like you play this deck into this location and like it's overpowered. Right. 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 Uh, uh, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Right. Um, but that just kind of led me to kind of fizzle out and, and to try some other things. Um, so kind of the next thing I, I went to after I thought Cerebro 2 was uh, negative and Bast. Right. Mr. Mm -hmm. Negative, Bast. So I, I went with kind of my classic deck there. You know, I'm playing Bast into there, get a little extra power. I'm obviously trying to get that um, that um, Mr. Negative out there. And if I haven't boosted him with Bast, I'm playing him there. So he goes from negative one power to plus two, you know, plus two power. Um, and things like Ironheart, playing her there if I haven't inverted her with Mr. Negative. So then she goes with two power. And then, you know, we already said Iron Man, Mystique, right? Those things are getting uh, buffed to two power. So... Uh, I think I've actually been enjoying that slightly more. Uh, and I think part of it is just because I think overall my averages between playing kind of Cerebro 2 and playing the Bast, uh, Mr. Negative, etc. I've been able to get more power on the board, it seems like, with the Bast and Mr. Negative right. um, than I have with the Cerebro, right? Yeah, and the negative list is also something that I've tinkered with a little bit. Um, 
I did get the newest card, Kang, who has zero power, so he does slot into a certain Mr. Negative deck. Um, so I've been trying to experiment with that, but at the same time, this featured location is here, so I've been also getting the benefit of having negative become a two, having all of these zero power cards that I included in this version of a negative list, um, also getting that benefit if negative isn't drawn, which if you've watched any of my content, I don't play negative because I never tend to draw him by turn four. So this location has at least saved me a little bit in in this list in general. Yeah, you just got to turn that luck up, you know, yeah. and just, uh, <laughs> just draw better. No, uh, no, I, I totally get that. I, I feel like I uh, it's one of my favorite decks, but I go through dry spells. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's all just chance. It's all numbers. Right. Uh, but it definitely is less fun when you aren't drawing Mr. Negative and not being able to actually play kind of the deck how you're intending it to be played. So, right. Um, another thing I've seen people kind of try out and I've tried it out myself and I'm curious on your thoughts, um, kind of, kind of Thanos. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of Thanos in the meta right now, right? So it's not like that's popping out of nowhere, but people are, you know, saying that, well, the stones are normally one power other than the power stone. So you can lay them down there and get some extra power on your stones. But yeah, yeah to me, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I'm not on that train too much. Uh, I don't feel like there's the best synergy there. Yeah, so for at least the Thanos lists that I like to run, I like to run them with a little bit more destroy in them. So I run Killmonger and Carnage in mine. So the the stones having one power haven't really, I haven't really noticed that effect too much because I don't have them on the board for very long generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Thanos idea is it's a good idea. The deck's gonna run no matter what if the location yeah. shows up or not. Which this is only a forty percent chance. So you're going to have a well-performing deck no matter what. So, I mean, I can see it working, certainly. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, it was still worth trying out. And I guess what it boils down to, you said it, right? Uh, Thanos is a good deck right now. And so anything to just pump a little bit more power onto the board is not a bad thing, right? Right. Uh, for that deck, it's it's not going to cause an issue. Um, and then I think an interesting one... Um, that I, you know, I've seen and, and on the Marvel Snap article, sometimes I reference that when we're having these conversations. Uh, one of the, the decks that was suggested by Safety Blade was doing stuff with Quake, right? Mm. Uh, so kind of messing up your opponent by shifting locations around on the board. But I'm sorry, I still think, uh, I still think Quake's pretty unplayable. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yes, maybe you, you have priority you switch the locations with Quake and then they had a high power card that they play there and it sets the power lower. But I think the times that's going to happen is probably relatively low. Um, and obviously with Quake, you have to play Quake in the middle. So it's like you have to have the location, which is only there 40% of the time in the middle of the board. So, you know, 40% times 33%, we get lower right. odds there. So uh, Yeah, and Quake is a great card in any of these locations that like, do something like even during the quantum tunnel um featured location where it was basically the lockjaw effect if you played quake on a turn where your opponent played like three cards into that location they likely were playing thanos stones in that location so like they get stuck with all those one power cards there, expecting them to come out being bigger cards but quake can do that so with Quantum Realm, Quantum Realm isn't as destructive and you're not usually spamming cards into there and locking that lane up with a bunch of like bad cards that you would in other locations. Um, usually in Quantum Realm, 
there's not many decks that are like spamming cards. You're usually playing like maybe one card here, one card here. So moving it doesn't really have the same shock factor as some of the other locations that could be a little bit more destructive. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I think Quake is always an interesting consideration with these featured locations, but I think just some locations are going to be better than others, right? Uh, yeah. So. I, I have like ideas for how Quake could be better. Um, one would be maybe making it so that she doesn't have to be played in the middle, but maybe the side lanes, giving her like an extra lane to be able to be played in. I think that's one of the limiting factors to her play right now is that you can't, sometimes you just can't play in that middle lane and then she's just a two, three, you know? Yeah. Do you think, do you think she would be overpowered if you could play her in all, like any of the three lanes? Um, like it was just like you had free reign to play her anywhere and shuffle the locations. It wouldn't be that she would be overpowered, but there would be some games where you probably just wouldn't be able to play her at all, or you wouldn't want to play her. Yeah. Um, and you would draw her in late in the game and you have a favorable location and it's just a dead draw that you just can't play because she like, I think the fact that she has at least one restriction is fine, but having two restrictions is a little bit too much for a game that only has three locations. Yeah. Yeah. That's very fair. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested to see what they do there. You know, they always talk to us about cards they're changing and, and the play rates and the win rate. So, you know, I'd be curious to to see into the numbers there with Quake. But right. overall, uh, just kind of summing it up here, kind of coming back to the location itself, uh, what are your overall impressions, enjoyment of this location compared to others? Uh, where do you feel like it lands for you? Um, I think it's it's kind of a middling location. If you are playing a deck that has majority of your cards over two power, for instance, if you're playing like a, a good cards deck with maybe like a curve of Lizard Maximus White Queen, you're not really going to want to see this location in a lot of cases. Um, but most other decks are going to have at least a couple cards that you can put in here that's not going to be super destructive. Anything with ongoing, like you said, is going to be very successful here. And uh, one thing that I kind of alluded to at the beginning of this discussion is um, cards that, you know, they say one thing, but when it's played on this location, it feels like it shouldn't do the thing. But Taskmaster's interaction with this location is a bit odd to me. I guess it kind of makes sense. It sets his base power to whatever, but his effect adds power to him. I'm not sure. I, I don't know exactly how the interaction works, but when you play Taskmaster, he gets the power of the card that you played before, and it doesn't go down to two after that. Yeah, that that honestly sounds like a bug to me more than a feature. Mm -hmm. One of so, those just edge cases right yeah so like the shuri decks should be nerfed by this location but since they run taskmaster he can just just be played in those locations so that's one that's the only thing about this location that i didn't really like too much but other than that it's it's a fine location yeah unfortunate right because i'm sure if that is a bug they will fix it but by the time they fix it this will no longer be the feature yeah. location right so right. uh we won't necessarily benefit from that in that way but uh, good observation. Yeah, I think there's been, I feel like there's maybe one other one. I, I can't can't bring it to the top of my mind, but I feel like there was one other card I was interacting with the location that was giving me kind of weird vibes uh, similar I think to that. But Valkyrie might do something. That's similar. what it was. That's what it was. I've been playing Valkyrie in my negative deck. Mm. And uh, yeah, I now I can't even remember what the interaction is, but it just, it's kind of like when it happens, I'm like, wait, 
is that right? You know, yeah. maybe I'll win the game or win the location and not really think about it. But I'm like, my math, you know, I thought I could do, you know, some simple addition, but uh, some simple math here, but it kind of throws me off. So, so it sounds like there's a couple of bugs with the location, but I don't think anything that's too, too crazy. Yeah. You can always avoid playing stuff there. So, yeah. Well, awesome. Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and deck lists for all level players and all collection level players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Let's move on to the next part of our conversation, uh, which is the, the latest card. We do this every week, and I, I think we're going to have a little bit of a longer conversation than we've had about some of the cards lately, because... You know, we've had kind of a mixed bag. We've had some decent cards come out. We've had some cards that are kind of negligible come out uh, in the last couple of months, uh, at least in their current state. But this one uh, is very interesting. And we'll talk about that in multiple layers from, you know, things that are potentially going to be changed with this card already from some kind of infinite loops, as well as, uh, you know, just the, the power level and the card acquisition model as a whole. So we are talking, of course, about Kang the Conqueror, uh, who was featured as the villain in the recent Ant-Man movie. Uh, and so Kang is a five-cost, zero-power card that has the ability, on reveal, look at what your opponent did, then restart the turn without Kang. So before we dive in, just to clarify a couple things. So uh, obviously, you need five energy to play Kang. So unless you're cheating him out early with uh, getting more energy on an earlier turn or lowering his cost with something like Wave. Uh, you're normally playing King on turn five or six. And you and your opponent would lay out all your cards, lock those in, finish your turns. And when King reveals, uh, essentially your opponent's uh, on reveal cards and any other cards you've played, you know, all the turn would play out to its finish. But then you would click, instead of clicking, uh, you know, to go to the next turn, essentially, or playing out your cards for your next turn, you would uh, reset the turn so it goes back there's plays a little animation it goes back to the beginning of the turn where he was played you no longer have him uh in your hand to play again and then you can both play out your your turns again and you don't have to do the same thing you're not locked into the same decisions but a couple things to know are if you uh if you drew king the turn you played him then you will draw another card so that'll be different um uh, but if you drew a different card, like let's say it was turn five, you drew a card, but you had King in your hand previously, my understanding is you'd play King, he'd reveal, and then you would redraw the same card. Um, as well as, uh, there was one other thing I wanted to point out, and now I'm blanking. Um, the, the snapping resetting? Oh, that is a good one. The snapping will reset. So if you or your opponent snapped, that will reset back to where you were at. Um, so an interesting... An interesting card for for sure. I think, you know, even up until a couple of weeks ago, everybody was saying, oh, isn't that just like, isn't that what Daredevil does, right? right. Um, but it's it's very different. So 
let's uh let's turn it over to you for for a little bit what what are your general impressions thoughts about this ability and what you've been able to see with king thus far i think king's a an interesting card um he's been confirmed to be the third big bad of all of these series five cards that have been released so far so he will not go down in price he will be 6k tokens no matter what so you kind of have to compare him to thanos and galactus in terms of game impact and viability right now thanos is obviously super super strong um so it's hard to really compare to thanos but i think king is a is a fun card he's gonna make snapping a little bit interesting going into the next season most people who get infinite are infinite right now so they're just snapping no matter what they're just going crazy for me i haven't really noticed like the impact of how the turn reset has really affected my cube gain um but i think he can make climbing extremely safe for some players but also very very slow because you're only going to be getting like one or two cubes so in that sense he's kind of like galactus but um he's going to make it so that you're not losing too many cubes in most of your games um as long as you have them in your hand obviously yeah uh, i think the snapping is a very interesting piece um because we talk so much about on the podcast, you know, the snapping mechanic and bluffing and how this card game is different than other card games. And this adds kind of a whole nother layer, uh, obviously in ladder play. And, but you could also look at it from the competitive uh, battle mode, right? Uh, I think this adds some nuance and, and interest there because when you're snapping, you're upping the stakes of the health you're losing, right? Uh, and so being able to kind of reset that and, and things like that uh, and retreat at a lower uh lower loss based on what your opponent played right so you can get a little more information about your opponent and decide if you want to leave that round or not um so i've seen um you know a lot of people trying out different things with king uh over the last you know uh 24 hours or so uh what you know what comes to you as kind of the most obvious synergy i mean there's multiple things people are trying out and and kind of uh, deck shells they're kind of putting him into what has been your favorite or what stands out to you the most uh for me i've tried i've tried pretty much every flavor um i was like the first person as the first content creator to get him so i've probably tried more things than most people um my favorite shell with kang is the uh you know moon girl she hulk shuri type list so uh you can play kang on five see what your opponent's doing on five and then end up skipping five once it resets and then being able to play She-Hulk for one, you know, do that kind of stuff or skip five, play Infinite. Um, Kang just gives you a lot of information that that deck kind of lacks that you're not able to see. Um, You know, I'm going to skip turn five and hope that playing Infinite on turn six is going to be enough to win me this game. But a lot of the times you don't know what your opponent's going to do on five they play an Iron Man in the lane that you're going to play Infinite on five, then, you know, that lane kind of gets washed sometimes. So that this deck benefits a lot from Kang, I think. Um, it gives you a bunch of flexibility. Um, and I think the the play patterns of this deck are my favorite with Kang so far. I've put him into Thanos. I've played him with Galactus. Um, I've tried him in negative. He just doesn't seem to have the same oomph in those decks as he does in a deck that most of the time wants to skip that fifth turn anyways. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. You know, that that's interesting. I hadn't personally considered 
uh, that one. But that's why I love having guests here on the podcast because um, sometimes I kind of just uh, my my brain gets stuck at the the obvious uh, quote unquote most obvious ones. But the most obvious is not always the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen a lot of people you know testing out later today with with Galactus, um, and sometimes you know that can be helpful. Um, where you kind of want to know what your opponent's going to do, uh, you know, potential synergy there, hobgoblin, right? You could play Kang, kind of see what your opponent's going to do, and you can kind of figure out where you want to put your hobgoblin, and then maybe you're playing Galactus on six. Often you're trying to play Galactus earlier in the game. That's what a lot of Galactus decks try to do. Uh, potentially, you could be trying to play Galactus out later if you have a little bit more information about what your opponent's trying to do, right? Right. Um so not saying that's great, but I think that is kind of one potential uh, synergy there. Um, I do I do think the Galactus list benefits from Kang. There's not a lot of cards that you really... There, there's maybe a core six or seven cards in a Galactus list that should be included in a Galactus deck, but there's definitely space to just throw in a Kang. Um, play Kang on five if you've played Wave the turn before or on four, just to see if your opponent has the counter because they're going to play the counter if they have it. So if you can see that they have the counter, like maybe an arrow to pull your Galactus onto a lane or something, um, King's really good for that. Um, But in that case, in that specific case, you're probably just retreating for one anyways, and your opponent's probably not snapping in that case either. So you're usually just retreating as soon as you get that Galactus pulled no matter what. But it does make it a little bit safer. Also for like the final turn, if you think... You know, do they have Shang-Chi? You can just play Kang on that last turn, see if they have it. If they don't, then you're just free to slam, you know, death, null, whatever. Yeah, that's a very great point. Uh, information is very valuable in Marvel Snap, right? But uh, there's kind of varying degrees of helpfulness of information mm-hmm. uh, with depending on the deck you're playing, what deck you're playing against, etc. Um, I did remember one thing I wanted to say earlier, which at least this is my understanding and maybe you can confirm this better, but I feel like I saw somebody post this on Twitter. Uh, anything that is RNG that happens on turn five, if you play it out the same after King, sorry, it doesn't have to be on turn five specifically, but if you play King, a turn resolves and then you play down the same card, same location, the RNG will take the same effect. Meaning if you play Scarlet Witch at the center location and it turns into, um, death's domain then if the turn resets and you play scarlet witch in the middle it's going to be death's domain no matter what it's not going to change does that sound right yeah that is correct and i think that's part of the reason why people are playing it in thanos lists as well because the lockjaw and reality stone rng are going to be the same obviously you have to play in the exact same order and i have noticed i don't remember the exact interaction i think it had to do with arrow pulling stuff uh, but I have noticed that um, sometimes the RNG does change, but it's not very common. And I think it, the specific instance that I'm thinking of is that I played Kang, my opponent played Arrow. Following turn, they played Arrow in the same location, but I played different cards. So the RNG was a little bit different. I don't remember what else. I think they played like a Reality Stone or something, and it changed to a different location. But I think that's because Arrow pulled different cards. So in most cases, the RNG is going to be exactly the same, which helps because if you, let's say you play uh, Reality Stone in Lockjaw and it turns into, I don't know, Bar With No Name, 
you're not going to want to play that reality stone right there again. So it does give you a little bit of information in that way. Yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting pieces of it to me is mm-hmm. that you can see what's my roll of the dice going to be and do I want to replicate that or do I want something different to happen, right? Right. We can um, pretty much become the the quote cheater bots that people complain about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I'm sure, you know, uh, everybody hearing this is probably like, that's exactly what I wanted. No. <laughs> uh, no, so I think Kang is a very interesting card and he does feel to me like at a at a higher level like you said he he kind of feels in that realm of thanos galactus i'm not mm-hmm. saying he's better than them or exactly as powerful as them but he definitely feels like he has an ability that kind of stands above uh you know the majority of cards i'd say that we've had added to the game since we've had series five and series four added to the game i don't know right. if you would agree or disagree with that yeah, since December, um, I think December we got both Darkhawk and Null, I believe. Those were the last good Series 5 cards, in my opinion. Those are the only two that I've bought that weren't Galactus or Thanos while they were still Series 5. Um, obviously, some of the cards that came out when Series 5 came out were great, such as like Shuri. Um, but since those, since Darkhawk and Null came out, I have not been tempted to purchase any series five cards. Um, and Kang is the first one that I've bought since, but that's also because he's always going to be six K. So. Yeah. So you're, you're basically saying you're not a dazzler main. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did pull Shauna out of a, out of a, um, collection track reward though. So I yeah. do have Shauna. Yeah. It's interesting. I've, I'm, I'm one of those lucky people. I have pulled three series five cards out of reserves. Wow. Um, <laughs> which I know some people have pulled none. Uh, and I haven't spent a ton of money on the game or anything like that. I've just lucked out, but I get things like Shadow King, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, you know, I am so happy that I will not pay credits for Shadow King, but uh, kind of wish I would have opened something else as well. So I'll play Shadow King in like four months. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're, let me tell you, you're not missing out on the Shadow <laughs> King meta right now. I probably won't um, play him in four months, regardless. Yeah, exactly. But. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think this kind of just leads to, I I feel like kind of an interesting bigger topic, which is the power level of cards, because on, on the one hand, I feel very, uh, I don't know. I I have mixed feelings and thoughts about this. And so maybe we can talk about some of those. Um, On the one hand, it obviously makes sense that not every card is going to be like the same exact power level of every card that releases for the rest of time. Right. Right. Uh, It's just, some cards are going to be better. Some cards are going to be more niche and like, oh, okay, you can build a deck around this. Some are more tech cards that you can kind of slot into different things. Some are uh, kind of these very powerful, very unique abilities a la Kang, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that definitely kind of feels like a roller coaster uh, with the current acquisition system to me because there's weeks that go by and I'm like, oh yeah, well, I, I record a podcast. So I better like check in on what the new card is. I don't even remember because I'm, I'm just not excited about it. I'm not like looking for it. It's not marked on my calendar. Um, but with King, uh, you know, people started to kind of give information out and we start more conversations started to happen the last couple of weeks. And then they let us know it was never going to be downgraded at least for a long time from series five. So then it's kind of like, oh, I need to start set, you know, saving up my tokens. I need to unpin what I have pinned. You know, it kind of like this hype builds and this conversation builds around it. And it just feels very different than when we have other cards come out. So um, 
I, I guess my first question is, do you feel similar? Do you kind of feel like there's just kind of this, uh, this high and this, this extreme low when we compare the week to week releases? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the token acquisition system is a little, uh, you don't get a lot of tokens. I just put it that way. We don't get a lot of tokens and the newest cards come out and they cost a lot of tokens. So it's hard to be excited for some stuff when you have to spend like a month's worth of saving just to purchase something, you know, they release four cards a month. You can only get one of them. If they release two decent cards, you're already feeling bad that you have to make a decision and you're going to regret it if it's not the right decision, you know? So um, I think the acquisition system and the token shop is, is great. I think as a system overall, the details of the system, they, there's room for improvement. It kind of feels bad for everybody. It feels especially bad for series, people who haven't finished series three yet because they're getting one token or 100 tokens every, what, four caches. So mm-hmm. like they're never going to be able to buy a series five card with that. You have to get 60 of those caches. And by that time, um, that's what, 240 caches or 240 collection levels or no my math is way off it's a lot lot. of collection levels (laughs) before you can purchase a series five card so those cards are pretty much out of the question um for those players until they complete series three unless they're spending money um personally i think that token costs could be reduced um i've been kind of in favor of reducing everything by half maybe 75 percent um that puts series five cards at 3000 which feels much better you can buy mm-hmm. two of those a month at that point um with the way that the the cards are dropping um from series when something hits series four you pretty much you can just buy that like that week or you just wait a little bit longer and it'll go down to three and it, it'll feel much better to just get it for free you know so i i think th- there needs to be some sort of balance maybe like the newest card is like five thousand for the first week or six thousand for the first week you know but uh, some people have been saying like you know let's make it you know shauna comes out she should only be three thousand she should come out in series four but then we get into this the discussion of do we want second dinner to arbitrarily pick which cards are good and bad and release them mm-hmm. that way or like quote unquote good and bad um and i don't know if that's exactly the right solution um so like yeah what do you think about that like reducing the cost of things in the shop well yeah you're never gonna hear me say no about uh discounts uh you know (laughs) give me a coupon or something you know uh for a discount no i i think that would would help right um i think it just feels a little out of reach for everyone right unless you're spending a lot of money on the game Uh, again i feel very lucky that i have had luck i have opened null from a reserve, right? I opened Null, Shadow King, and Valkyrie. I think all three of them, while they were in Series Five, from reserves. But that's just that's just stupid luck, right? Like right. I, I, I've got that, but like there's people that have opened more reserves than me in the same time frame and have opened zero of those, right? Uh, right. So that can feel very frustrating. And so then it, it feels like I'm closer to getting my look, my collection done, right, or getting all the cards, but not because I'm like better or I'm spending more money. It's just kind of dumb luck, which I think can feel very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so ideally, like you just make it easier for everyone to use the resources in the game to get them, right? 
Um, and they don't have to make it. So we're getting every card every week, right? Because then, you know, if we can just do that without spending money, they're not making money. Right. I, I get that. But I, I, I like what you said, right? Like two series, five cards a month, I think is interesting. Um, because then, okay, so there's four new cards a month, four to five new cards a month, right? Uh, depending on how long the month is, how many weeks are in the month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you can, get, you can get half of those, right? Um, the other half, you can wait to drop to a later series, you know, the next month. Um, that sounds like, obviously, like how that work in practice and do they make changes to anything else, right? We'd have to see how that played out. But like, just saying that out loud sounds good to me, right? I, yeah. I think and that like, would be a good balance. For, for this month specifically, um, I love discard decks. So Stature was a card that I had my eye on, but I knew Kang was coming. So I just, I had to skip uh, Stature. I'm going to have to wait a while to get Stature and mess around with her in like uh, some sort of discard list or like Tempo, you know, Moon Knight type thing. Um, because I had I, I w- had the feeling that I just needed to get Kang because I felt like his effect was going to be too impactful to pass up. So yep. I, I had to buy him and I had to skip a card that I actually really kind of was excited for ever since I saw her. Yeah, I think... I think that it feels a little bad, right? Because yeah. I know the goal, the problem they're trying to solve with the token shop is more um, freedom for, you know, which cards you want to add to your collection, right? Uh, you know, one of the biggest complaints, not everybody was complaining about it and not everybody saw it as a problem, but, you know, when people played in the beta, when people first played, when the card, when the game came out, uh, it was frustrating for some, right? That, uh, card acquisition was completely random, right? right? You moved through the pools, but you never got to choose what your next card was. Mm-hmm. And so the token shop kind of fixes that, right? Um, so that's the problem they're trying to solve. But when it feels like you have to wait for certain cards because they could be meta-defining or they're just going to be better than others, then it like it limits you kind of from buying the ones you maybe want to or actually seem more fun to you, right? Yeah. Uh, because you feel like you're not going to be able to compete, which I think is a bad feeling, right? Yeah, a couple um, a couple of weeks ago, I made a deck that I thought Shauna would be perfect in the deck, but I wasn't going to spend six thousand tokens on Shauna to tr- just to test it. So, I mean, luckily for me, I ended up pulling her, which I mean, for some maybe that's a bad pull. I mean, I would have rather pulled something else maybe, but um, I would never spend six thousand tokens to test it. So then I had to wait what two months so that she goes on the series four. And then at that point, do I have to think, well, do I want to spend 3,000 tokens on her? Kind of not really. Like, I mean, the cards that I'm missing right now are pretty much just cards that I feel are are bad besides stature at this point. Um, and it's like, I, I don't know. The, the price for some of these cards when they get released are just, it's just like, who's going to buy Sentry at 6,000 tokens, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's 3,000 now, but who's going to buy Sentry at 3,000 tokens? <laughs> Sentry's down to Series 4 now. No, or Series yeah, 3. He's, he's the last Series, series 4 card that I need. Yeah, I think, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think Sentry's the one that I'm guaranteed to open next. So, mm-hmm. um, But I'm kind of for, like, I kind of don't want to open boxes because I kind of don't want to pull him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tricky. So basically, I mean, this, this conversation has gone how I kind of expected, right? Uh I think there's things we like and we like to be able to get new cards and be able to kind of choose the ones we want, but there's just a lot of side effects 
that maybe don't don't leave the best taste in our mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I always say this, you know, we're not game designers. We're not saying we have all the answers. But obviously, I think there's enough discourse online to, to show that ideally there's some improvements made. I don't think yeah. it's a necessarily a complete overhaul. I think it's a tweak. Is it you get more tokens or is it you lower the tokens cost or is it there's another kind of subsystem that they add to this system, right? I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like it's not that far from being great. I just mm-hmm. think there's there's maybe some a couple more iterations that could be done, I guess, to, to make this truly enjoyable as an acquisition method. There's been talks of, in the community, talks of, you know, what if they added another another rotating slot? The one slot is only Series 5 cards, or like one slot is just like the newest card that gets released uh, for that week or something that's just always going to be there, and you have the option to buy it whenever. Then the other slot is, you know, Series 4 and Series 3. So the, mm-hmm. the Series 3 people who are still progressing through Series 3 have the option of, oh, I don't know, Sarah is in my shop. I'm going to pin her there, but also I'm going to just look at these series five and six cards that maybe I might want to buy. I might want to pin those and save it for there and then just buy Sarah and then save for that card that I had pinned. Um, So that's like another option. Uh, I I guess this also brings up the situation that came out um, surrounding Kang where he was said to be released um, on the... 11 p.m. 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern reset. So a lot of content creators were camping their shops at 2 p.m. Eastern, trying to get Kang first or get Kang right away. Turns out Kang wasn't released until another like 25 minutes later. So the people who refreshed their shops were locked into that card that got refreshed into for eight hours. Where mm-hmm. other people like myself, I didn't check the shop because I was working. Um, I got Kang because. I checked the shop like 30 minutes after the reset and he was in my shop because there's, you know, I think there's a heightened chance. I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, I got King in my shop. So I was the only creator who had King and I streamed that day because everybody wanted to see King and nobody had him. So I had to yep. like abandon some stuff that I was working on to stream that card for like the entire day just so I can have people see and like ask me to experiment with stuff and everything and they did say that they want to hot fix it to where um that's not going to happen anymore uh but that was just like one frustration that happened in the community that made you know some people lose a little bit of faith um in the communication of second dinner specifically yeah yeah i have seen some some twitter threads some discord conversations between people and people at second dinner where you know sounds like they have plans or they're working on plans to address those concerns, mm-hmm. but, but I'm there with you. I mean, I, uh, unfortunately I didn't tune into your stream. I, I, you know, I was watching a stream at the time and the person refreshed the shop and, you know, King wasn't there. And it's kind of like they were planning to stream for another four or five hours. But at that point you kind of lose the momentum, right. As yeah. a creator, it's like, well, everybody was here. My, my numbers are higher. Everybody's here to, to watch this specific thing. And then, it doesn't work out, right? So yeah, during my work day, I'm usually watching Snap streamers pretty much all day because I work from home, so I can just keep a monitor with Snap streamers up pretty much all day, and I'm watching them usually until I get off of work. And when I started streaming, about maybe I started streaming at maybe like noon Pacific time. Within an hour, I was getting raided by like all of them because it seemed like everybody was just frustrated that they didn't get the card. 
who didn't want to stream for the rest of the day anymore, but they just got off and they just sent the viewers to where they wanted to like to the streamer who had the card. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It Which just, is like, it was, a, it was a problem it, for the creators. It, yeah. It was, it, you know, benefits you, but like, you don't want like people who are feeling disappointed, maybe showing up and like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just kind of a bad vibe all around. Right. Yeah. Cause like, what I'm, am I supposed to do? I'm like, <laughs> I'm playing with the card that they want. They rated me and I don't want to be like, Oh, look, look what I got. I got him. I got him. Like, I don't want to yeah. do that, but like, yeah. I'm obviously I appreciate everybody who supported me during that stream, but it was a bit of an awkward situation regardless. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time, but paper, I really appreciated the conversation. I, I honestly, we could talk about this another 45 minutes to an hour and I could keep going. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> I have, I had three or four other things that I was like about ready to ask you, but we've, we've had the conversation going and, and it's been great. But, um, before we close out, um, you know, I, I just want to say to the listeners again, you know, if, if you have thoughts on this topic, let us both know, you know, uh, I'll give paper a chance to give a shout out here where you can find them online, but we'd love to hear you on Twitter. We'd love to hear you on discord. Uh, and we just, you know, even in paper stream, we just love to hear, uh, what you guys' thoughts are on this topic or your ideas to improve the system. But paper, before we go, uh, of course, want to turn it over to you to just give kind of your, uh, social shout outs where people can find you and where they can best consume your content. Yeah. And to piggyback off of what you just said, I can talk about this game for hours. Part of the reason why I stream this game is because I could just talk about it. And like, I lose track of time every time I stream, but um, my stream can be found at twitch.tv slash paper. That's spelled P A P E R R. And I stream Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 PM Pacific time. And my YouTube is youtube.com slash at paper snap. Um, and then my Twitter is uh, paper LOL. Um, but yeah, just find me on Twitch. I stream regularly and I kind of have, I mean, usually the nighttime kind of to myself. There's not a lot of people streaming during the nighttime during my shift. So yeah, awesome. Well, thank you again for being here. Listeners, as always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the constant support. If you are listening to this podcast on a podcasting platform, we ask that you leave a uh, a rating or a review so more people can be found on those platforms can be led to the podcast and if you're listening to this podcast on the marvel snap zone youtube channel make sure to smash that subscribe button so you can always see the latest episodes when they are released as well as all the other great content that is being put out on that youtube channel uh, almost daily and we will catch you in the next episode Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.